This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 759, brought to you by the Marvel Made Paragon Collection Chris Claremont Premier Bundle, available for pre-order now at getmarvelmade.com slash iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands and wearing their masks. Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 759. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. This is my co-host, Josh Flanagan. So much turkey is in my belly still, and it doesn't feel good. And joining us this week, almost Dr. Ryan Haupt to talk almost. about Power Rangers or something like that. Whatever he's... Something from the 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm here. There were no Power Rangers books this week, but I'll talk about some other stuff. I love that what we have here is like sleepy hangover Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> like your voice sounds a little different. Yep, like yep, like I just, yep. I'll show up. Well, Josh, it's been years since you've been on the post Thanksgiving show. So what, true. usually just Ryan and I. I know. I thought I, I thought I didn't have to perform for Josh. I thought it was just me and Connor. <laughs> that's how that, that's how you think of it. Like you gotta have two personas. I mean, you were salty on the text thread. I was like, does Josh not like me anymore? It's <laughs> <laughs> a stressful holiday week. Yeah. <laughs> So we're here to talk about comics, even as we wind towards the end of the year and things get punchy. We're still here to talk about comics, the ones we read every week in our stack. One of us picks the best one, they call it the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books in the week, that we do the patron pick, we do some listener mail, we have a good time as we sit here lethargically. Oh, man. Yes, last night was... I, there was a point where I was, like, I was too full, and then I was like, well, I could have one more plate. I, It was bad, and then, like... Lindsay had made this pie and she's like, we should, and I was sort of recovering. And then after I ate the pie, it, I didn't like, it Here's was like this, midnight and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. I've never felt like this before. <laughs> <laughs> the smart move we made was we didn't make the pie. We we're going to make the pie this weekend for leftovers. But we were like, if we make the pie, we'll eat the pie. And then all hell will break loose. I mean, I mean, listen, it's, it's new England. It's fall. The apples are amazing right now. Yeah, we made the pie. I know. Remember that feeling. Here's your spoiler warning. There'll be spoilers, so it's a review show. Exercise some caution. Josh, you had the pick this week, and I, did. I was both surprised and excited to see the pick, which is not the number you have on the script, but it's a didn't. Oh. Just in case you say it wrong. It is Doctor Doom number nine from writer Christopher Cantwell, uh, artist Salvador La Roca, and color by Guru EFX. I believe they added it's an AI the system. System. They just they just program. <laughs> Check the sunbeam coefficient. Yes. <laughs> and letterer Corey Pettit. I always feel like this series was over. It's ending <laughs> soon. I think it's I know, like I feel like it was a mini series and then another one comes out. I'm like, oh, it's still going. All right, cool. There was a very specific point where I decided that this was going to be pick of the week. And basically in the middle of the book, there is a one, two, three, four, <laughs> four page scene where Reed Richards. Okay. I'll, I'll back up. Well, hold on. Uh, basi- hold on. Before you get into it, this yeah. issue was awesome. It okay. was so good. And I'm, I'm so happy. I, I think I might've I didn't even think about what I would have done because uh, it, yeah. it was a long stressful week, but this was an amazing issue. Yeah. So uh, there's this problem. I don't fully understand, but there's some sort of black hole singularity issue that has to do with the moon and the planet and blah, blah, blah. Doom is like, I'm going to fix this because he's, he's having, 
he's having his crisis of consciousness where he, you know, through the whole series is like, I think I'm not a good guy and I need to be a good guy, but he's still a dick, but he's a very complicated and talented dick. And so he's going to fix it. And he's, he's, you know, he's putting on the, I've got this. It's going to be, I'm going to figure it out. I've done everything perfectly. And Reed Richards calls up to the moon (laughs) or wherever he is and is like, Hey, I just wanted to say, you know, good luck. I really believe in you. And Doom is like, I don't need your concern. He's like, I'm not concerned. Well, why are you contacting me? And it's this incredibly childish exchange. It's a devolution of his mind state, just from yes. like a supreme confidence about how he's going to save the world to talking himself into the idea that Reed is sabotaging him somehow. Wait, and it's though, just so perfectly Doom. That scene is all posturing, and I ca- and the whole time I'm trying to read, I'm trying to look into it, and I'm like, why? Is is Reed being a dick? Yeah, Reed like, had I, like, to have known better. I don't know. Like I don't know, but I, I don't. Love that's the, the great that, thing about it. I don't know. Yes. I I think it's he, ambiguous. I think he wasn't. You, Why would he sabotage Doom? Doom's trying to save the world from this singularity. Yes, but maybe it's a subconscious thing where he still had to poke him. I think that's they're also imperfect possible too. people. Yeah. So I mean, they is go there a better the, poker in the entire Marvel universe than Reed Richards, Doctor Doom. He, well, but he can stretch. I was yes. making a stretch joke. He can poke, poke, poke. Oh, I see. Oh, wow. Wow, you, you woke up, I guess. I'm here, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> so they go through the whole thing, and, and finally Reed's like, all right, this conversation's over. And <laughs> Doom's like, as if you get to decide. And then he hangs <laughs> up on him. And then Doom smashes his screen. And I was like, "That's that was really fun to read. I read through it a few times, not because I didn't understand it, but I just wanted to make sure that I got all of it. Because it was, it was pretty simple, really. It was just six-panel grids or nine one dialogue balloon per page is, you know, just faces back and forth. But the best part of it was, is that that affects everything that happens after it yep. because of doom's own hubris. One of the things that happens in Marvel is that doom talks a big game and he normally gets it right. Even so. And but lately, at least the trend has been like, they have to have a begrudging respect for him. And I really like the place that he exists is that he's not exactly a villain. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, now, I well, mean, like, at one you know, point he talks about how he's going to become a good guy, and it's, it sort of harkens back to the infamous, infamous Doom, Doctor. Doom, what was the run? Infamous Iron Man, the one, the Bendis run, where oh yeah, yeah, Doom yeah, yeah. became Iron well, Man. So it's name. kind of reminiscent of him deciding he's going to be return to that Doom to be the good guy again, and this this just totally scuttles that whole idea. Well, the the thing about that Doom, and I liked that series, but yeah, I think this series. is actually a little smarter. The thing about that Doom is that he was actually acting like a good guy, and a lot of his ego had been sort of sublimated. And in this, like, he's full Doom, yeah, but he's just trying to point it differently. And, like, all of the self-doubt that comes in here because of a personal conflict and ego, it's much more like, you know, it's, it's a little like Lex Luthor and Superman. Yeah, for sure. And this is the heart of the character, right? The heart of the character is... Yeah, his ego gets in the way of everything. He and Reed are longtime colleagues, and they went to college together. So this is like a long-standing, you know. But the difference uh, between this and Superman is that Superman has no doubt, and he is not threatened at all by Doom. Whereas this is more of a two-way street. Yep. Like the the people are much, you know, they're much more flawed, I guess. And as a result, like this is always going on. And the fact that like Doom has a great relationship with Reed's daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's so fucked on so many levels. And I think that it really gets to what the intent of Fantastic Four was originally. But but just the way that this was all sort of played out and written was just fantastically entertaining. And, you know, for a comic book, not a ton of action or anything. It was, it was really mostly just people, it was just robot face having a conversation. 
And it was it was super fun. I think we've said like Salvador La Roca, he does great when he's just got to do robot faces. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. totally fine. Well, and, I, I do want to mention that after yeah. that four page discussion, there's a two page breakdown of Dooms. And then there's I love the page where it's him and the Doombot talking back and forth in that spiral with the yep the lasers color, the lasers the colors around the you know, as he breaks down like oh maybe 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 Richards knows something maybe somehow he knows this is going to fit like it's just the you can just see it. You're just like, oh no! Like it's just, oh, it's all over. And not that I was rooting for him. Well, I was rooting for him to save the world, obviously. But like, it just it was, yeah. this was a perfectly constructed psychological breakdown of Doom issue. It really got me thinking about the fact that you know Christopher Cantwell really has none of the problems that most people coming into comics from other people. Mm-hmm. So it's not overwritten. It's pretty strong in terms of comic books. But I was thinking about what the through line of the work guys' work that I know and. The egotistical alpha male is a constant. So you had that in Halt and Catch Fire. And the guy was usually right, too. That's the thing. Sure. You had that. He's doing Iron Man right now. Tony Stark is exactly that, just a different flavor. And you've got Doom. Like, that seems to be the guy's oeuvre, is what I realized as I was reading this. And I thought, that's really interesting. And he writes those characters really well. I mean, that, that, that Tony Stark that he does is great. It's not Robert Downey Jr. necessarily. you know. And, and then you've got this... This was beautiful. This was a, like like it's funny because I think it was a pick of the week before. I don't know if it was the one with Doom on a yeah, horse. Yeah, it was issue six, I believe, which was only three yeah. inches ago, but it came out like March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan, what did you think of this? I enjoyed it. I've been reading it. You know, this is one of those books that I picked up only because you guys had started talking about it regularly enough that it seemed worth doing. I miss Kang. Yeah, but that's uh, yeah. okay. Well, yeah. Kang will be back. That was why it was pick of the week. It was Kang. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just it. I actually thought about that earlier. Was that I miss Kang, but at the other side, yeah. on the other side of it is the Doom Reed situation is, is just. I mean, I love that. I love that the book opens up with like a panel of Doom just superimposed on himself, just running, <laughs> getting getting ready yeah. for the for the action, and then he's got like a, a you know. I, I know Salvador Loga references a lot of real technology when he's doing this stuff because he just has a space shuttle, which is yeah. also awesome. Yeah, I thought <laughs> and, that too. And um, the, the big black hole thing is called the Ant Lion, which is, I love that name for a giant black hole that's going to destroy the Earth. That's fantastic. Uh, Blue Marvel is still in there, as far as we know, talking yeah. to um, alternate reality uh, Otto Octavius. And I love that, like, you know, Salvador LaRocca is clearly referencing the new science that came out when they did Interstellar and actually spent enough money to figure out what black holes look like. So the black hole looks great. And yeah, I mean, the, it looks really good. The, the tension is right where it needs to be in terms of the interpersonal drama is arguably more important than what's happening with the black hole and it's just yeah a lot of fun it's the only book i even came close to making pick it was like in the middle of the book i was like oh this is it and <laughs> it was nice it made it really i was like so then but i it was like in the middle so i was like i gotta read all these other books but it's kind of pointless now finishing this issue i was like oh that was good because like, <laughs> it, it like honestly the if you've been reading this series the whole time and honest and on just if you're a Fantastic Four fans as we are. This Doom series has just been terrific. And and you mentioned it earlier, Josh, that it, this is sort of back to what the Fantastic Four was originally. It's a fucked up family, and he's the fucked mm-hmm. up uncle of the family, and that relationship between Reed and him is just so delicious, and it makes sense. He's got the great... He's got, he, he's, he has a really great, healthy relationship with Valeria Doom as sort of mm-hmm. her uncle, but he doesn't get along with her dad, and, and they just they're constantly getting in each other's way uh, and they just can't help it. And that's what's so great oh, about it. Also, there's a was one page in here where uh, Reed Richards is talking to Captain America. And it's also a great little scene. He's just like, he, he, like 
Reed is complaining about Doom to Steve Rogers, and he's just like, you know, but I, if it works, if, if we want it to be right, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know he bought an hour of prime time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd love that they just, like, oh. I mean, Reed is supposed to be the hero, and he's just as bad. Yeah, super petty. Oh, it's great. This was terrific. Doctor Doom number nine. I don't even recommend you read just this issue. I recommend you make sure you read this whole series. No, you have to read the whole series. Yeah, it's yeah a there's up. an issue where Doctor Doom rides a bear. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's fantastic. It's, it's just it's, as awesome as it sounds. It's 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 also like it's it's just there's quality Kang earlier. Whereas he's also there's also like sparring that's going on there. It's just male superhero and supervillain ego unchecked. It's yeah, I forgot about this, but I was reading up on Kang recently, as one does. You got to keep up with the latest. Sure. And I forgot that he's a descendant of Reed Richards, so yeah. it's just more. That's, of a... that's that's not necessarily true. Okay, it's possibly true. That's the thing. With he's not a descendant. You never, you never he's know. A, he is a descendant. That's right. He's like the great great grandson or something. Great, yeah, great 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 maybe grandson. possibly. So I think the Vegas odds makers, Josh, they had you at John Constantine Hellblazer number twelve as the pick of the week. I believe that was the favorite at the book. Sure, all the pick of the week betting houses in Vegas. Simon Spurrier, Aaron Campbell. This is the final issue of Hellblazer, this great run we've been loving. And I'm going to say this is one of my least favorite issues. <laughs> yeah, I, and there's a, I think there's a lot of really great things about it. But at mm. the end, I'm not entirely sure what happened. It was extremely convoluted. I was like, oh. A bunch of times in the middle, I was not entirely sure what was happening. Yep. I got the main strokes, but I don't know if I knew why. Like, I knew what happened to the characters. I was so excited for this book that it was the last book I read of all the comics. Oh, I came no. That's how excited I was. What kind of sound or face did you make as you got to the last page? I thought the last page, the image of the last page was great. And I thought mm-hmm. the, yeah, oh, yeah, totally. the idea of the price is always higher than the prize for what he does is a very Constantine and a great, great idea. Yes. But man, but I was just like, oh. it was kind of like that. It was just like about quarter way through, I was like, oh, no. And then halfway through, I was like, oh, okay. And then. By the end, I just, it didn't take away my love for the whole series, which I think has been one of the best 12 issue runs that we've read yeah. over the last couple of years. But it, it, it wasn't a matter, a matter of my expectations being too high, I think. I just, I just think it was very convoluted. I think it was a lot of jamming into a, a box. They, it's funny because a lot of times, if you go 12 issues on something that's one single story, it feels too long. And it didn't. I was I'm like, I, I think maybe they could have done another issue here. And I think that yeah. that would have helped. It was on the chopping block. It's amazing that they made it to 12. But it really was like, I did all these things. It's like if it's Thanksgiving, right? And you want to make all this stuff. And you <laughs> fuck up the time. And then at the end, you've got yeah. to like rush through all the other things. They don't all yeah. fit. And then some things get cold or whatever. Yeah. It, it felt like that. But There's the only so much did, hot gravy you can pour on the cold stuff to make it, you know. Yeah. Didn't you're just eating gravy. It's just going to cool your gravy off, too, and then you got two problems. Um, well, gravy is one of the worst. It, you're absolutely right. Like, it goes from, man, that's delicious, to, oh, my God, rubber slime. It's, oh, yeah. I, I made homemade one this year, and it was all, it, it, when I went to clean it up, it was like a jello mold. It was just like it oh, came yeah. out like in one piece. Yeah, it should, if it's done right. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm just hot. saying it was just funny. So let me just tell you what I think happened, Josh, and then you can tell me if I'm yeah, right yeah, yeah, or yeah. If, if, if maybe you don't even know. And Ryan, you're not reading this, or you are reading this? I read this. Have you read the whole series? I was a few issues behind, and I didn't fully get caught up. And then I looked at the clock, and I was like, i got to record with these guys soon. I better jump ahead and see what's going on. So oh, that must have been rough. Yeah, it's fine. So the giant, the giant, I was going to say the giant something, but the actual giant at the end of the last issue, who we, th- we thought represented England, who the, the members of parliament were literally fucking, is a tulpa. 
which is a manifestation of a belief. And then it turns out that... So I personally is, prefer the term egregore. So is That's Old John? Term. Old John's also a tulpa? Who's manifested by young John himself. Right. Which doesn't, doesn't quite make sense. track given yeah. where we started. With yeah. him being the literal John from the last continuity, who looked exactly like John in the last issue of that series. We also find out that Noah is John's son from a one-night stand. Right. I feel like we had been hit, that had been hinted at earlier. Yes, it had been. Okay. I think you, that one of the issues you skipped, Ryan, was, it was like the last issue of the issue before. Okay. I liked using scrying to affect reality. Like, if scrying is powerful enough, if you know what you're doing, you can reach through the scrying pool and, and manipulate things. That was kind of cool. But I feel like that was the big conclusion to a, that story, and then a whole another story got tacked onto the end of it. Did Noah kill the yoga yes. dude? Yeah, Willow Tree. Yeah, yeah he did. Because he'd gotten possessed, I think. Well, that's right, Ryan. You were on the show and we talked about the yoga dude. That's right. Yeah, that's right. that was your pick that. of the week, and and you were like, "This guy is a dipshit." And then and now they killed him. I was like, "How do you feel now, Connor?" Well, yeah, I Connor didn't want him to get stabbed by Noah. Yeah, I did like the scene where Noah and the Scottish chick made out. No, not Noah. Willow Tree. Willow Tree. Yeah. That's right. There, and John's like, "No, no, don't." Oh, Wes <laughs> <laughs> is watching through the scrying. But there were moments like that, and I, I enjoyed this. But I'm just looking. I'm just looking through it now. I'm just like, "Oh man, there's a lot, a lot of spells going on." So much of what, yeah. That, I mean, so like, it, it's funny because if you if you ask me, I'll tell you my, that my favorite, you know, run is the Garth Ennis stuff, and it has to do with, you know, all the character work in there. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember any of the magic stuff really, you know. And and so in this. The character work stuff and sort of those storylines is actually pretty good. You know, this, you meet this other guy and he's really charming, depending on your point of view. And and he's sort of doing his magic. And John's both a little bit intimidated by him and also doesn't like him, but also kind of does. And you know what gets this guy in the end is that he's it's hubris again. Like he he just thinks he can do more than he can, and it really backfires on him. You know, mm-hmm. and normally John is the agent for that. Like, John is the one who will push somebody into a situation. It's almost like he was watching the story end. Like, he wasn't involved in the ending. I mean, realize he was in the, yeah. the spell cast, but it seemed like he was removed from the ending of the story, which was weird. And when he had Noah take him out, John's big regret is, like, I just made him kill something, which damns his soul, which I think is a nice touch. But when John is doing that to people, normally he's aware of it. Like, he's he's very aware that he's manipulating somebody for what he thinks is the greater good, but will ultimately means that all of his friends get killed. And it didn't quite follow that path, because the stuff that Willowtree did were really is the result of his own issues. Did John call them in? No, he was, he was talking early in the issue about how, like, the one thing you never should do when messing with the kind of magic he does is volunteer, and Willow Tree was eager to rush in, and I think that was yeah. kind of what they were playing at, was, you know, like, this guy this guy ended up being the one who got sacrificed because he was so willing to show up right. and volunteer himself, and that's 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 what gets you killed. So, so following all that, John, like, like you said, John didn't really have anything to do with that. Yeah. He didn't, you know, and, and when he got Noah to do it, that was really... Yes, he put a bad thing on on his son, but that was also the only thing that could happen or this demon was going to break through to Earth and everything would be terrible. Right. You know, he basically, it's like when the guy in the party gets bit by the zombie, somebody's got to kill him. Right. And he just had his son do it rather than him. But that's not the same thing. That, that, no, yeah. You know, it, it, again, it's not bad, but like if you've been reading Constantine for a really long time, I was like, something, it just doesn't quite. But so in the middle of all that, I don't, I think that's actually generally pretty good character stuff and pretty good plotting. 
but sort of sussing out what was actually happening to make those things happen was really difficult with this. And I think uh, Aaron Campbell, the artist, has been wonderful on this. But once everything starts glowing and swirling yeah. and moving and there's a bunch of different voices, and I think the letterer actually you know, did a lot because there's a bunch of different types of word balloons and the coloring, and you can sort of very clearly well, tell who's talking. The coloring is Jordy Valera, obviously. I mean the coloring of the letter balloon. No, but, letter. but I did a bit, bit, bit of cars yeah. letter. But probably Jordy Blair also colors the letters. I don't know. Probably not. No. No, no that's, that's not how that works. That's not, that's not how it works anymore. I mean, it's possible that they collaborated it's on no it. no longer on the page. Right. Yeah, no, the, yeah, the, the letters go on last. In my head, I like to think they're still pasting up in a bullpen somewhere. That's how I like to think about the world. That's what's going on in my head. You know, good, but, but not great, I think. And it had been great. It wasn't a bad issue. I was just like my least, no. my least one of my least favorite ones. There may be two out of the twelve where I thought, oh, that's not as good. But otherwise, great series. Yeah, totally. I great, mean, if, a great if, gift to us out of nowhere. Us being the world of comic readers. Yeah. What's funny is you weren't even really like a Hellblazer reader. No, but it, <laughs> was, it was. I think it was a patron pick, or you liked it so much. I think yeah. maybe that was it. I just thought oh, I'll give it a shot. I, I, again, I've read the Garth Ennis run. I, took, yeah. I brought all those trades from you that one year and read them all. It was great. I mean, and, and, and Constantine's all over DC right now. Yeah, but this no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Maestro number four. Talk about another fun series out of nowhere. Peter David, Herman Peralta, Jesus Albertov, and Ariana Mar. This is the issue where, I mean, at the, in the last issue, the Hulk is basically making his turn, but here he becomes the Maestro, which is the despotic villain of the future that he has to destroy himself in a. 1992 miniseries from Peter David and George Perez, where the Hulk travels to the future and destroys himself. So that this is the this is the origin story of the Maestro. And here he defeats the Hercules. Well, yeah, but I think what was interesting about this, and this has been super fun. Yeah, just just really, fun. and I have no history with this or whatever. I just know you know it's a future Marvel story, and the Hulk is in the. You well, know, it's funny and, was Ryan was on for the last issue of this. I think I must have been on exactly a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. All right then. Or two weeks ago, uh, whenever this came out, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. Who can say? You know, and and Hulk goes in there, and he he's apparently humili, you know, or you know, humiliated, and and just sort of uh, he's chastened by yeah. by Hercules. Like, and Hercules was never in any doubt about it. And and we were like, well, Hulk is the strongest one there is, which was referenced. Well, the thing is, like, he you know, the last issue he had his big plan, right? Hulk, he was gonna go off, build these giant robot dogs, and they they were gonna attack. And they attack here, and Hercules pretty much dispatches them without a problem. And then he does to Hulk what Hulk did to Loki in the Avengers movie, which was yep. slam him back and forth by his feet, back and back and back and back. And destroyed a gyro shop in doing so. Very yeah. sad. Which is closely related to shawarma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also Herc is, you know, Greek. Yeah. And so then we get this little, he beats him, and he's like, all right. And, and Hercules, to his credit, although not at all woke, I must point out, <laughs> very antiquated ideas about... Uh, women but you know what are you gonna blame him for he's a greek god anyway he invites him back and hulk's like no nah, i haven't earned it i can't do that i'll, I'll make amends and return to someplace and you know and, and hercules is like all right cool we're all good bro we cut to this one scene in is that that is rick jones or yeah, is that like a rick, rick jones, jones. fan no, it's rick okay jones. so rick jones like basically tells us yeah that bruce banner you met that's only one bruce banner there's another one and he's a right fucking bastard mm-hmm. and that's all that he needed to say you know, and and so we see later, you know, Hulk, Beard Hulk comes back and presents Hercules with a lady. <laughs> and then you just sort of see his master stroke, you know, because he can't win. Because not only is he the strongest one there is, he's also, he's like the most intelligent. He's up there in terms of Marvel, mm-hmm. you know, as Banner. And 
you know, just takes the whole thing down with a perfectly executed plan. And, and there is such a turn that happens in this issue that I really liked that part. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was going to be interesting because they did announce a sequel because I guess this is selling well, which was funny because when it first came out, we were like, who's going to buy this? Apparently people will buy it. I, I mean, if it makes sense that like a lot of the audience is the same people who were the audience when this was coming out originally, <laughs> then yeah, that makes sense. But there's not a lot of places it can go because we know the ultimate conclusion of the story because we read it 30 years ago, but it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Cause it, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Despite the fact you're watching the Hulk become a monster, you know, he already is a monster in some ways. Another fringe book, two fringe books. And Jesus, we talked before, Jesus and Berto. Oh, I'm sorry, I see the colors. Herman Peralta is incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's great. He's really good. Totally. We haven't talked about Injustice Year Zero in a while. Injustice Year Zero 12 from Tom Taylor and Cyan Tormi. Keen. Keen. If it's Irish, that's a hard C usually. Yeah, kind. I thought this issue was great. Again, we talked about not liking what we're reading, even though we're enjoying it, in terms of the fact that this is all about the Justice Society getting killed by the Joker, but. In terms of well-executed plans and foreboding and seeing it all unfold, and you're just like, no, 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 this was, I thought this was really well done. And I thought the art it was really good. There's a couple of really terrific panel constructions. There's those shot through the Flash's legs as he cleans up the floor of the Batcave because Alfred is like, you messed up the floor. And so he hands him a handkerchief to clean it. And then they, the, the, you know, the plan to save the Justice Society goes horribly wrong at the end. I thought this was just a great issue in terms of unfolding story. I mean, yeah, they all have been. It, and it's actually just finished. I just finished the first book of Injustice, so I sort of am up to where they are after this. Mm-hmm. And I know one thing: the art on this is so much better than what is in that. <laughs> you know, because they have some support. It's the same thing. Actually, I know what's going to happen. Right. Like I, I know how this ends, but it is still so wonderfully plotted, and the characters are just so excellent. And again, like I don't like anything that's happening in it, but it's real good. What's funny is, like, I have no sense of how long this is going to go. Because it's, it's issue 12, so no, normally you think that would be the end. But these are half issues. Right. Uh-huh. They're not going to go 24 issues. Right. I mean, they're running out of characters. <laughs> this seems like the, the climax, sort of. I got to tell you, through all of this stuff, the thing that Tom Taylor does best, and I think it's his secret sauce, is Green Arrow and Mockingbird. <laughs> I mean, like, literally, he's in all of them. He's all yeah. through uh, yeah. Deceased. He's all through Injustice. He's through this. Mm-hmm. It's what he does best. I mean, that's it, clearly that's the series he just should be doing. Mm. You know, it, when it happens at some point. It's the creepiest Joker, too. I don't, I'm don't. i sick of Joker and everything, but in this, I'm like, okay, this is this is a real There's something threat. really disturbing about seeing him in, like, a supervillain costume. Yeah. And he has sort of a clown makeup face. It's not, you yeah. know, Heath Ledger clown makeup. It's, but it's also not like your traditional Joker. He's got like the painted on face. It's just weird. Kind of Jack Nick. Yeah, actually, I got caught up on this because you guys have talked about it enough times. I've never played any of the Injustice games, so I have no context there. And I'm, you know, the strength of Tom Taylor's writing on other books. And it's, man, I miss the Justice Society. Yeah. Dr. Midnight, fantastic. But also, Amazing like, man, just great. As we said before, this is much like Deceased. These are the classic versions, right? So they're all, they're all relatively speaking in their classic costumes or something very similar, which I know is a problem, Josh, from what I've been heard in the Injustice book, because they all look stupid. That's the other thing. That's absolutely clear. And I think it's a good choice here to just be like, you know what, let's just ignore that part. Because, you know, the others, I think they were definitely tying in with the video game and there was a branding thing here. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit. So just draw them the way that they should be. Right. I just yeah. thought this was a lot of fun. I, I, was, I flew through this issue in a great way because the pacing it does. It's, they're doing an investigation, so there's a great little montage of Batman investigating in the middle, and then there's a great meeting with the Justice Society and the Justice League about what they're going to do. And then Ryan, did yeah. you read a bunch of these all at once? Yeah. I bet that works really well. It was good. It was fun. 
Yeah, totally a page turner. Also, it's keen. I, I should have keen. occurred to me. Just it's keen. That's an iron. Yeah, keen. Gillian right, well, Keen, all those things. You can't bury the past forever. Endless winter. <laughs> so, this episode <laughs> is... <laughs> Are you just writing bleak poetry? That's the ad for Endless Winter at the end. I was just staring at it. And that's okay. sort of like the whole tagline for comics. <laughs> Great if Connor just like got really <laughs> maudlin and poetic about everything. <laughs> Should we go on with the show? Like the ash covers the plain burned a forest. <laughs> Let's talk about the Marvel Made Paragon collection. That's yeah. Marvel's newest prestige product, exclusive to the Marvel Made platform, celebrating Marvel's most iconic writers and artists, featuring the most revered Marvel comic storylines and noteworthy moments over the years. The very first of this collection will start with the premiere bundle uh, from none other than Marvel Comics legend Chris Claremont from now through December 4th. So if you're listening to this, you could literally almost listen to this later in the week and miss it. But also, from what we've been told, they told us they're very close to fulfilling this. Yeah. If you're on the fence at all and want it, they're not going to do it unless they get the number of pre-orders, the 1,200 yeah. pre-orders. There's a pre-order element. They will go over that. And I can see why there's a pre-order element because it, it's a pretty special book. So they got to get to 1,200. So if you were on the fence or not think, thinking about whether you wanted to do it, now's the time to place that order so you can make sure that you get across the line and get it. The Marvel Made Paragon Collection Chris Claremont Premier Bundle is a gorgeous faux leather hardcover book that is hand-numbered and signed by Chris Claremont. It includes one of four handwritten iconic quotes from the X-Men stories. Like <laughs> Just a picture of around going, bub, okay? Uh, <laughs> How many people get bub? Oh, man, I'd want the bub one. But maybe there's a better one. Professor Xavier is a jerk. Yeah. I don't, he must have written that line. Probably. Listen, okay. I, I, this I, collection yes. features... That'd be great. It has behind-the-scenes forward by Louise Simonson. Nice. She's uh, a legend. A wonderful creator. Right. Yeah, yeah. Collects classic mutant epics, including... And this is really what, what I, I was like, oh, yeah, what? And then I was wow, that's a lot. Dark Phoenix Saga, Days of Future Past, the Wolverine limited series illustrated by Frank Miller, which... That was the whole thing. It's a great It's series. amazing. Yeah. Brankmiller was kind of still doing a little cartooniness, and it was arch, and it was great. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the first issues I ever bought, like that first issue that I like saved money to buy for. I got that, that was one, one of the first trades I ever owned mm -hmm. as a kid. I think it was one of Marvel's first collected editions. I believe so. Yeah, uh, Uncanny X-Men number 268, which is an iconic story featuring Captain America and Black Widow. X-Men number one by Jim Lee, the best-selling comic in the world of all time. In this are lithographs and comics from uh, all new. From renowned artists, as a Wolverine limited series homage, Litho by Joe Casada. Great artist. People forget that. Yep. Dark Phoenix Saga homage by Phil Noto, who's just amazing. Oh, Inferno homage, Litho by Phil Tan. You've got X-Men Claremont collage, Litho by Salvador LaRocca. Storm and Callisto battle homage, Litho by Marcos Martin. Asgardian right. Wars homage, Litho by Art Adams, uh, a legend. I had an Art Adams Wolverine poster on my wall as a kid. All these artists are terrific, and Art Adams is yes. underrated. I think most people these days don't know that because... He got out. He's a bigger deal, 23rd. Like, Ryan, do you have much in the way of reverence for Arthur Adams? I respect the work, and I've, you know, read, I've read most of these old X-Men comics that you guys are talking about, but I don't know that I have any special feeling towards him. Yeah, That's he was fair. a big deal in like the early 90s. Late eighties, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. He was like a he was a he was like a level up above a lot of people, and then he just stopped doing stuff. All right, guys. Sorry, I have a lot left to describe about this book, 
and we got to get it's on with the show. It's just dredging up a lot of memories, which is, I think, why it's so, so popular. Continue. Exclusive Wolverine number six days of future past themed variant cover comic book by Olivier Coipel. X-Men 13 Dark Phoenix action figure variant comic book by John Tyler Christopher. It is the world debut of a 20-page exclusive prequel comic for Days of Future Past written by Claremont and drawn by Salvador La Roca. And that's not all. In addition to the comic and the lithos, the bundle includes Claremont's original Days of Future Past notes and script and brand new behind-the-scenes interviews with Claremont about uh, his most iconic and shocking X-Men stories. Do not miss out on this collection. You have until the 4th of December to pre-order. It is $199 plus tax and shipping. Along with a bundle, you'll get the Marvel Made Paragon Collection Certificate of Authenticity. Bundles will begin shipping in March 2021. So $199, not cheap, but for all of that and a damn custom product, uh, that's a really good price. I, I work in printing. I know how that works. There's the original material. There's great old material in there. Go to getmarvelmade.com slash ifanboy to pre-order your copy of the Marvel Made Paragon Collection Chris Claremont Premier Bundle. There you go. Josh is impressed by this. I am. They've done original art for it. It's a feat of editing and putting all that stuff. And they're not even sure they're going to make it. <laughs> so I'm guessing they will because that's, you know. They put a lot of elements together. Yep. Daredevil 24. Chip Zdarsky. Was it Mike Hawthorne? Mike Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah, which I was like, oh, Mike Hawthorne. <laughs> Sam Perkins. This is another example of, I thought it was really well done and, and the issue was good, but I just hate what they're doing and I think it's stupid. I think I'm right there with you. I was like, I don't, I don't like any of this, but it's real good. <laughs> like, I laugh when Daredevil walked into court with his suit over his costume. Yeah, which I, th- that was... <laughs> I thought must have been really hot. When he gets out of those suits are breathable, unstable molecule, uh, probably on the other suit too. When he gets out, like there's the first time you see the suit and he's actually got his hands in his pocket, but he's still got his daredevil gloves on <laughs> and his head is like hung over like sad, uh, Charlie Brown. Yeah. It's pretty great. I have a question. Yeah. yeah. How does he know that Tony Stark is calling on his cell phone when he flips it open and looks at it? Good question. Ooh, good question. Maybe, maybe, because I know that you can put uh, custom... Well, he says he's the only one who has the number. So if, I guess that's the Tony Stark phone. Custom ringtones. So Matt's carrying around just loads of phones and a bunch of other heroes out there only have the number and he's got to recognize the vibration. Well, he's he's setting up something with Tony to buy Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, so. I thought that was, maybe, yeah. Weird, that was a weird so He just had it game. for that. Yeah, he he's had like, it for that here, to, to hear when the deal was done. Yeah. It's an old flip phone, too, which I don't know that it would survive. None of them would survive his antics, but it's fine. And then Tony fails. I'm still enjoying this series. This is the first issue Mike Hawthorne's done, right? Yeah, yeah. This is a switch. And I generally like Mike Hawthorne's art. I thought there were a few weird storytelling issues, sort of like the, the cell phone thing. And there's another scene where, like, when he first walks into the courtroom, he's like, oh, just like I thought, it's a zoo, and everybody is just sitting calmly doing nothing. Like, it's... <laughs> it's not even that crowded. There's a lot of empty seats. No. <laughs> like, you could sit next to Captain America. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even realize that, but you're totally right. It's not... I'll tell you... I think that the art felt very hastily done. Yeah, it did. It had an inker on it who was not helping Matt, uh, Mike Hawthorne all that much. He's a great artist. Smooth as now. Smooth as I don't know who the colorist is, but it was a little... It felt hasty. It felt rough. I also don't... I don't this is one of my Daredevil uh, blind spots. <laughs> I have no attachments to Typhoid Mary as a character. Yeah. Don't... don't she didn't any of the classic stories. Don't really know what she is or can do. And her hair reminds me of, like, uh, those old Matt Wagner villains, and it just feels, like, antiquated. Anyway, 
Yeah, so in case you're not reading this, the culmination of this entire storyline, which we, in the background, has not been enjoying that part of it, is he accidentally killed a guy, and here he goes to trial, and he surprises his lawyers by uh, pleading guilty to second-degree manslaughter. Matt is a dick, by the way. Like, that's yeah, no, always totally. the thing. Like, he, he's a dick to his friends here. He goes behind their backs, yeah. he makes a deal, he, he doesn't tell them about it. Presumably for no other reason than to shock comic book readers, too. The big problem with it, though, is that the very end of it is like he's in prison. I was like, that's great. But one of the longest and most famous Daredevil arcs of my life, which wasn't that long ago, concluded with Daredevil being in prison. And, (laughs) you know, it's a little little yeah. It doesn't feel like homage as much as like, you're doing this again? I did enjoy the idea that they had to use Matt's stupid twin brother, who I hate as a concept, (laughs) to pretend to be Matt because no one would believe that Matt wouldn't be there for Daredevil. So, like, he has to sort of just be in the office and... His ex is like, you're not even doing anything. He's like, I'm doing lawyer stuff. <laughs> you know, do a lot of important lawyer stuff. Because he doesn't know, he's not a lawyer. So that was funny. I mean, there's been elements of this I've really enjoyed. I thought this issue was well done and, ri- and written well. But again, I just think it's it's, it's stupid. I think these are. this is another thing like Damien and, and Superman's super identity where it's like, you don't realize what Pandora's box you're opening up here by having them able to prosecute superheroes. You know, mm-hmm. they have to sort of exist outside of the regular real world. Too many real world consequences applied to superheroes makes them less special. Yeah, Astro City did a really good issue on that. Yeah. Where like some defense attorney figured out they could say like, oh, it was a magic clone. And like it was all about the legal system having to figure out how to grapple with the world of the fantastic of superheroes and stuff. That Kurt Music, he knows what he's doing. I think you just can't put too many real world elements into the superheroes and then they start to become less. But that's just me. Another fringe book. Anybody else read Falcon and the Winter Soldier number five or this miniseries? Because this is the final issue. I did not. I did not know it was a thing. I saw you put it up, and I thought, is this something I should have been reading? Yes. I read the first issue, and I just uh, Falcon's shoulder pads. I just can't yeah, get bad. past them, and I. I just <laughs> the more I can avoid them, I will. Can't they're less it. emphasized here, but yeah, they're dumb. This issue has been really fun. Another one of those Marvel fringe books that we've been talking up this year. I think Falcon and Bucky as a team are terrific. I know that this, this was put out because they thought they'd have a Falcon and Bucky TV show out on Disney Plus by now, but it doesn't matter what, why. It's just been this Zemo. romp. And yeah, Zemo's in it. It's just been this romp where they've been tracking this like super killer from Hydra who wiped out a government agency, and it turns out he's like a big Captain America fan. Like He's like a super fanboy, but he's a psychopath, so he takes all the wrong lessons from Captain America. So they've been trying to bring him back to the path of good in the, throughout this whole series, and they're dealing with this turncoat Hydra. And this issue was really fun because there's a schism in Hydra, and so there's this standoff between Zemo and this woman who's trying to become Hydra Supreme, Veronica Eden. And, you know, the, she's got her own forces inside his forces, so she's, she's, like, hidden behind the cars or shooting at her, and she goes, hey, if any of my guys are in there, Order 66, which is a Star Wars reference. And so they start shooting at each other, and so it just becomes this, like, kind of goofy inner hydra war and then at the end of it zoom was like i respect all your hustle like he's not even that mad at her she tried to take over he would do the same thing and it just was really fun and i don't know who derek landry is i think i've seen his name before the federico vincentini art has been really good i think it's sean murphy it's high octane it's it's sean murphy-esque and i think anyone who's been enjoying the marvel french books should check this out it was a lot of fun little five issue miniseries action comics is a book that also came out this week, and it was written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by John Romita Jr. and Klaus Jansen on inks and Brad Anderson on colors or letters. Yeah. One of the two. Are you still reading this, yeah. either of you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you guys th- I think it's kind of a mess. 
but I'm still well. Obviously, didn't like the. We, and we talked about this before. That, that this issue ends with the tie-in to the Jimmy Olsen series, which you know, whatever. That came out of left field. Although they were hinting at it a couple of issues yeah. ago when Jimmy was trying yeah. to get Perry's attention about stuff. I really like John Romita Jr. I am f- struggling a little bit with the way he's handling some of these characters. Like the uh, there's a lot of kind of melty faces. It's not good. V- weird hair. I want it to be good. I really like him a lot. And I don't know if that's just how he's getting inked, whether these are choices, if that's Klaus Jansen trying to bring it back or whatever. Like, but it's, you know, if you compare this to what Ramita was doing, you know, 10 years ago. Well, but even here's the thing, though. He did Superman year one. Mm -hmm. It was only a handful of years ago. It wasn't that many years ago with Frank Miller. And that looked amazing. Mm -hmm. So the question is. Did he have a lot of time to work on Superman Year One and mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of time to do these issues? Like, I always hate to prescribe, like, this looks rushed. I don't know if it, if he, you know. No, no, was, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I agree with you guys. It's not his best work, but he's still capable of doing it unless he drove that miniseries 10 years ago, which I don't think he did. Yeah. It's still there. I just don't know if this is just a schedule. Well, he always issue works with what. an inker. He's always And it's not him. always the same guy. Sometimes it's Jansen. Sometimes it's Danny Meeky. Sometimes it's right. other guys. It's usually I a couple Danny of those. I think Danny did Year One, didn't he? I believe so. And then, so that also has to do with how long the inker has to do it. Right. Ramita has worked with Bendis before, and that has always been some of my least favorite stuff. And I don't know that, I just think maybe, maybe they're not a great match. Because basically, you've got all these scenes where Superman is then surrounded by these other people, forcing them to, you know, put these weird sort of group shots over and over again. Yeah. You know, and I don't think that that works best for him. It's a lot of shots of just the five of them hovering and then red blurs as they fly around and do stuff. Yeah. Like, group shots are not his thing. It, it just isn't. Like, it never has been. I think that's why he didn't fit on Avengers a really long time ago. You know, a lot of the facial acting and stuff in this is pretty good and interesting. But all the shots are kind of the same. Like, it's all the same angles, the same stuff. You know, with I also laughed out loud when I saw the, the difference in the logo between John Kent Superboy and Connor Kent Superboy is just that Connor Kent is red and <laughs> John Kent is blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's yeah. dumb. I like the bit where Brainiac tells Supergirl's secret. I, I like that stuff in comics. Leave, yeah. leave the breadcrumbs. Don't tell us what it is. Is this the new closet? Maybe it is, or maybe we'll actually find out what's going on. But it's nice to give them a little story bit that we don't know about that maybe they can also, in the future. Uh, Josh, I know you like time travel stuff. Mm-hmm. John Kent keeps telling like Brainiac, like I'm gonna hang out here with my dad for the rest of the day. Like I'll be back tomorrow, and it's like, but he could still just go back to the same moment Brainiac just jumped to. Like he doesn't have to come back. A, he doesn't have to come back a day later just because he waited a day in the past. Listen, we do not have time for this. <laughs> All right, sorry. Really, like uh, genuinely, I just like that we're wrapping up this Red Mist and the lady, and they kind yeah. of explained it, and I'm fine. Let's go. All right, but I feel like I, I feel like he keeps. You know, he, he was doing it in Young Justice, and then he kind of switched it over to here, where he was trying to do something with Connor Kent for a while, and then that sort of just went away, and then Supergirl just randomly showed back up a couple issues ago, and I just, I, I'm having a hard time, there's a lot of threads in this book, I'm, I'm not having a hard time keeping them straight, because Bendis is a competent storyteller, but I'm having a hard time figuring out what is the actual through line of this book, and what I'm supposed to actually be invested in and care about. All of it. I think the time travel thing was more like, I'm not going with you right now, I'll, I'll live tomorrow. It wasn't like he was saying, I'll be there tomorrow. It was more like, I'm not coming with you. Mm, Disagree. Guys, this is the short section of the show. (laughs) Those are the books we wanted to talk about. There was a lot of books. It was a lot to read on a holiday week in which there was a lot going on. Honestly, I'm surprised we all read our books. In the past, we haven't read all the books because this is the nature of of Thanksgiving. But um, I got them all done. I think I ended up with 20 books, which was more than I anticipated. 
But let's talk about the patron pick. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where patrons can vote to add the book to the rundown. All patrons can do so, no matter what level they're at. And this week, the vast majority, the overwhelming winner, was The Other History of the DC Universe. Book one from John Ridley, Giuseppe Camincoli, Andrea Gucci. My eyes are still blurry from waking up. Jose Gucci. Villaruba <laughs> and uh, Steve Wands. And this is a black label release. It was announced a while ago. John Ridley is a big-time screenwriter. He won an Oscar for 12 Years a Slave. But he's done comics in the past. He's a veteran. He's not like a new guy. Yeah, yeah. he's done comics before. And I think, based on the title, and I'm going to just tee this up so we can talk about it. After Crisis and Infinite Earths finished in 1986, DC put out a two-issue prestige miniseries called The History of the DC Universe, which was basically Marv Wolfman and George Perez resetting the board after Crisis so that you got the timeline, you got wh- wh- how things happened. And it was told in vignette style, like, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, and the Justice Society showed up. It was literally like a timeline in comic form. And I loved it as a kid. I read it over and over and over and over and over and over again to get the sense of DC and the timeline and everything, and that was exciting. And so this seems to be... A take on that. It's not quite because it just follows one character, but it seems to be that that's what they're going for here in the blocks of text that go along with a single image or two images or three images. Not so much a story. That seems to be what they're doing here. I had no idea about any of that. Mm-hmm. I just started reading it. Right. Now, Connor had said to me, please make time for this. And I was like, oh, come on. I only said that to you because I had just read it. It took me almost an hour. No, I know. No, no, no. It wasn't you. I didn't want you to wait for like 20 minutes before the show and be like, oh, fuck. Yeah, no, that, no, this was a good, it was a good piece of advice. I actually read it sort of first, but it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I looked and I was like, it's 44 pages. How long? And, and I, I started going. And he's like, I see. So I was kind of annoyed about that. However, at no point did I not like it. Oh, it was very well written. So like as I was reading through it, I was like, I didn't really feel like reading a novella right now. <laughs> but if I have to... This isn't so bad. And the fact is, I don't know anything about Black Lightning. Yeah. This is all about Black Lightning. I didn't tee that up. This is about Jefferson Pierce's life from 1972 to 1995. Now, I hate when they add real dates to things, but whatever. This is its own thing. doesn't matter. This is the history of Jefferson Pierce's life and career. So placing it in that timeline, though, I think <laughs> gives everything context. Sort of who he is and where he came from, and it's probably correct with when the character was introduced. I'm guessing. Probably, yeah. So you know, I th- I think because we're tying this into history, and we're tying it into a social mood. You know, as we go through you know 1968 and we go through the early 70s into the 80s, like it all kind of works. One of the things I think was really interesting is that, unlike Spider-Man, where we are told to accept the fact that it's Marvel time and it's super and it doesn't matter if he has two jobs in his Spider-Man. This, they showed the real-world consequences of doing those things. Right. By the way, Black Lightning was introduced in 1977. So that, that kind of makes sense. So was I, actually. Yeah. <laughs> April. Yeah. You just beat him. Yep. Yep. But he did get to live at the same time as Elvis. So <laughs> April. And you get us a month before Star Wars came out. I could go on. Anyways, I'm going to be putting on Pink Floyd's Animals and then uh, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. Sorry. There's a lot of great albums that came out that year. I really liked it. I think the writing was actually particularly strong and it's sort of like strode this line between you know very genuine real emotions that uh african americans you know have today and had then and it's it's really it's sort of terrifying and disappointing at the same time and it 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 really shines a light on like well you know it's like the old denny o'neill line like from the green lantern green arrow series like i've seen you with the blue skins and the purple skins so what have you done for the the black skins you know and there's a lot of that there where, you know, like, you know, Superman doesn't even come to our side of town. And I thought, would he or would he not? It, it, but it doesn't matter because it's 
the perspective. Like, it doesn't right. feel like he does. He doesn't fix anything. They could fix everything. And basically, Jefferson Pierce is like, well, enough of this. I'm fixing it if nobody will. There's a lot here. It's a and lot. I like that they went through the history of the DC universe, like, as it says. Like, first of all, I thought the art team did a great job of having its own style. But when it came to recreating important elements from DC, they did it in that style. So there's this, there's the shot of the first time John Stewart's introduced, which is from the cover of that book that Neil Adams drew. And it looks like Neil Adams... I really liked Jefferson's complicated relationship with John Stewart. You know, he's, he's mm-hmm. first he's looked at as, "Hey, one of us is a hero," and then it's, "Well, is he?" They meet and it doesn't go well, and then it's not till much later that he finds out about Cosmic Odyssey and what John went through there and trying to commit suicide and finally hanging out and, and understanding each other was was I like that as an arc in the background. That was really great. Which was as much as uncomfortable, which was supposed to be his reaction to Superman is not what you normally get in DC Comics. You know, he's not venerating Superman at all. And then the Batman stuff uh, with the Outsiders was interesting as well. Like, he finally finds sort of a family with these outcasts. Um, I really liked that there was development on all those things. Yeah. It wasn't just, like, introduce the concept of Superman comes around in the beginning and, oh, this guy's an asshole. And, like, like the character of Jefferson Pierce, like, his character didn't change and his overall worldview didn't change. But he allowed new ideas and he allowed the fact that, you know, his perspective could shift. And I thought really, that was really good. I don't know if this has always been an aspect of the character or not, but I like that his powers are something he really has to keep in check and hold back with. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this year we've hopefully we've all learned a lot about what other people are going through in this country. And the idea of a really powerful black man having to constantly not overdo it around other people to keep himself and others safe, I think speaks volumes and is a powerful metaphor for what a lot of people have to go through. And I really love the scene when the kid shows up in the black lightning costume for a trick or treat mm-hmm. and what that means to him. And I also think that, you know, in my own life living in DC, you know, majority minority city, like uh, when the Spider-Man movie came out with miles, like that was huge. And you did see kids dressed up in costume and it was really powerful and it was really fun. I, I love those little touches like that. Uh, those I think make the emotional beats really hit home. I was actually really curious, Josh, what you'd think about this, because this is so unlike what you normally like to read. But I think the power of the writing sort of carried through the format. I mean, there's a lot to think about. There's a historical aspect of what, you know, this guy fits in. Then there's the way of how it fits with today. There's a bit in here that's just brilliant where Reagan is elected and you see his button where it says, let's make America great again. Which, by the way, was Reagan's logo because, you know, and it has the Watchmen blood drip on it. Yeah, I was like, holy, that's a lot going on right there. It's just (laughs) like the more things stay the same, but also kind of fits together with a really, you know, we haven't talked about the art at all. Different layouts by Giuseppe Camicoli and finishes by Andrea Cucci. And it's a different kind of art. Like you said, I can't see the Giuseppe Camicoli in this, but it worked with the the type of book it is you know like it i I thought it did a really good job i mean there's parts where they're doing aparo during the during the outsiders bit because aparo Mm -hmm. was the main artist on that so like it looks like neil adams in that bit where batman's jumping off the 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 railing but then the the rest of the page looks just like aparo and then they're doing a mignola i mean the cosmic the cosmic odyssey yeah has that old school mignola style that like most people who have only read hellboy probably don't even know about where he was like kirby-esque yeah i would say it was really beautiful i thought I, mean, I thought the homages worked in the scenes, but then the rest of the story, the regular story, you know, had its own look. It was, and then even when Supergirl shows up, it looks like Kurt Swan a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bit about like, man, Supergirl's great, and I was like, why? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there was some reason for that, but it's kind of stood out. I did like that he didn't like Superman, but he could sympathize with him being alone. 
Mm-hmm. And also, you know, and, not, and being the only one of his kind. Like, I just thought that was an interesting take on him. I just liked how he went from a young man who was very sure about everything and very rigid and very, you know, like, no, this is the way it is and I'm right and you're wrong to, you know, an older, probably middle-aged man who who's like, all right, I, I need to I need to soften some of that because I'm just too harsh. That's the arc of life, isn't it? And it should be. I mean, I, I wish it would start <laughs> sooner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought this was good. This is really good. Yeah. It took me an hour to read, but it was good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it gives you a lot for that. If it's like, it's like one of those eighty-page, you know, anthologies where you're just sort of struggling through it, and half of them are good and half of them are, but you know, you know, it was a lot of time commitment, certainly for a holiday weekend, and I will hate you for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not patrons. happy with the patrons. That's why I sent the note out to you guys. I didn't want either of you to wait to the last second and be screwed. So I was like, I guys, still think just I was make. Be mad at them either way. Just make sure you have enough time to read that. It's but it was good. I, so I can't, I can't, I can't bitch about that. You know, I probably wouldn't have read it otherwise. So, fair play. So that's the patron pick. The other history of the DC Universe, book one, ratings, ratings. Ryan, why don't you go first? Out of five, I'd probably go four and a half. Mm. Yeah, that's what I go with. Four and a half. I'm gonna go four and a quarter. Oh, there you go. Four and a quarter. Four and a quarter. Is there another one of these? I believe so. Okay, because this was book know. one. Apparently, well, all of Black Label books are written that way, but I don't, I don't know. Right. Again, all you right. don't read the news. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something though. There's no way that it could be as interesting if we're to picking up from where it left off. No, no way. It's a natural ending of his story. Yeah, I hope this just becomes a, a feature to highlight the you know more characters. diverse characters within the DC universe. Like, if you give me this on Michael Holt, um. Phew. I, I mean, spoon. it doesn't necessarily to be need to be diverse characters or whatever, as long as they're sort of interesting. I want my Michael. Whatever. No, I'm, I'm not. You're not wrong. But there's a reason why you start with Black Lightning. He is the most interesting on several levels of the more diverse characters. The characters that came on in the 70s. He's the most prominent. He had the TV show. Yes. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. You can vote to add a book to the rundown, but if you give it a $5 higher level, you get a patron power live on the show, which I forgot to prepare for. So that's why we're going to start with Josh. Adam Northcutt has amazing superpowers, strength, flight, invisibility, and vulnerability, but only when he's performing the duties and job of a butler. So he has to put on the tuxedo and he has to serve somebody. And in doing those things, then he has incredible powers. Wasn't, again, wasn't there an Astro City character, the gentleman, who's <laughs> just a guy in a suit? Yeah, but, but he could use that outside this guy can only use it in his performance and when in his duties as a butler. Assuming subservience to someone else, does he gain mm-hmm. superpowers? Mm-hmm. And so he just uses it in the course of his duties. Yep, he can clean really fast and. So, like my building that I live in in DC, it's an apartment building, but it's technically called a manor. So, could he come? Like, could he do stuff here? If it's a, technically a manor. Yes. All right. I don't know. I gotta tell you, I don't know the rules of butlery, so. If there are any butlers really, listening, please write in and tell us the rules. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot to it's it probably that we a don't book. get. Don't they have yeah. to be told to write in by someone else? Can we? Are we allowed to command butlers They're to do things? They're not slaves. Isn't yeah, Alfred but, technically a valet? That's what somebody who watched... Alfred's, somebody who watched Alfred's, Abby told me that. And Al- I don't, Alfred's covering a lot of... Ground. Alfred's doing all the jobs. He's the chef, Isn't he's the valet, he's the butler. The driver? He's well, literally everybody who goes and eats in that basement. Yeah, but the butler is like the head of the staff, the forward-facing, the public-facing staff member who's like the red-hand man of the... Uh... So yeah, I think Alfred's everyone in, in the staff because the, the butler's the forward-facing guy. He's the one in charge, but he, 
Alfred also cooks, he cleans, he drives, he sutures, he trains weaponry. He does. Are you gonna tell me that that's not a superpower on its own in its own right? <laughs> his life would be a lot easier if he had superpowers. There's like no way he doesn't consider Bruce his son because you wouldn't do that for anybody else. Most of the rooms in Wayne Manor aren't getting used most of the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that cuts down on a lot. Um, the cave is going to be filthy no matter what. It's full of bats and guano. I think the only thing he ever makes is cucumber sandwiches and tea. So it can't be that hard. He's really busy. What do you expect? Thad Haynes. You know I love coming up with a name to go with my powers. He's the Carbonator. He can carbonate anything. We've definitely had that power before. But that's okay. no, I've definitely I, heard that power. I checked, I checked the spreadsheet. <laughs> really? Yeah. We've definitely had it before. It's fine. After 700 of these things, you're going to get some over- overlap. I did come up with a distinct <gasps> riff on this power uh, in addition oh, to boy. being able to carbonate things. Is when he carbonates things, he's actually drawing down carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. So if he oh. carbonates things, oh. could, could fix global warming. So oh. Okay, though, here's the question, though. If you've drawn the carbon out of the atmosphere and you just leave the beverage out to go flat, is it a zero gain? Yeah. Okay. Further, <laughs> when you take the car and you drink the carbonated beverage, is it also like does that just come out like if you burp, that's just yeah, the same stuff? I think so. Okay. So really you've added a thing that, that you know, it's a thing like I stayed at this eco-friendly hotel. And basically what that meant is that they gave you pens that had cardboard instead of plastic for the main tube. Sure. And in order to use the heat, you had to put your key card in the door. Other than that, totally normal hotel. Mm-hmm. Here's what we do, Josh. We send Thad to the moon. A lot of water on the moon, we're learning. Get that water into a liquid phase somehow. He carbonates it up there. It, the carbon dioxide still comes from Earth. <laughs> so we just teleport it to the moon using his power, but we have to figure out a way to send that to the moon first. All right. There you go. Brian Wilder can manifest any slippers on his feet. Mm-hmm. Any kind of slipper he wants. He wants big fuzzy bunny slippers. He can have those. He wants real nice, warm, like lambskin moccasins. He can do those. So, Connor, here's my question for yep. you. Mm-hmm. Are you in the market for, or have you just received new slippers? My feet are cold, and I'm looking at okay. my slippers are about 10 feet away from me, and I can't reach them. I'd love to just manifest them on my feet. Are they perfect right now? Are they worn? Do they need replacement? My slippers need replacement. Um, I love thing. them so much, but they've been spilled on. There's a couple uh, of spots. Like I was wearing them yesterday while cooking because it was chilly here in L.A., and there was at some point something, some drop, some drop of is something. There a, is there a back to them? Are yeah, they, yeah, they're they... full like they're okay. full fit, foot slippers. That's nice. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like the slip on slippers. I like a heel. I had a pair of them that I didn't want, but they've actually been pretty good. Although they're at the end of their days, so I think I'm going to go back to a, a, a heel element. My sister at one point had like big fuzzy tiger slippers that were slip ons, and they almost fit my whole foot. And I would walk around wearing those, and they were great. I can see that. Yeah. Both of those, her with them and you with them also. They were great. All right, so there you go. Patreon.com slash fanboy. We're going to leave Josh to go deal with stuff. Yeah, it turns out that I'm supposed to be on a work meeting right now. <laughs> so Josh has to go, which is, look, yeah. we got him for most of the show this year as opposed to not getting him on these shows. So thank you, Josh. We'll talk to you later. All right, talk to you later. Love you both. Bye-bye. Bye, Josh. Patreon.com slash fanboy. That's where you can go, like we said before, at the $5 or higher level. You can get your superpower live on the show, or you can vote in a patron pick. But you can also... Add content to the iFan base, the Booksplode show we do, the Talksplode show, the Mediasplode, all unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash iFanboy. The next unlock is a G.I. Joe animated show, which will look at each episode of the G.I. Joe animated series like we were doing early in the pandemic when there was no comics to talk about. That'll happen if you go to patreon.com slash iFanboy. And then right after that, 
is uh, unlocking a quarterly barbecue video show like we used to do on the old bar video show. So you can find all that. Plus there's great community there. There's a Discord server. There's a Facebook group. They all like to chat and hang out on there. They rally for the patron pick. There's alternate factions. Each side is it's becoming like a Braveheart situation. I'm usually in there pushing whatever the latest Power Rangers book is. Yeah. You guys, if you don't remember the, the video barbecue shows, we got to get those back because there's an ineffable magical quality to the way Josh judges Ron while they're both cooking. <laughs> there's all kinds of psychological elements of that. Oh, <laughs> the mind games you guys play with each other. When, when Ron gets the tongs and moves the steak before yeah. Josh thinks it ought to have been moved, it's just, ugh. Chef's kiss. None of us can eat like that anymore, if you watch, but we could certainly do a barbecue show like that. It would be fun. So go patreon.com slash fanboy. Listen, times are hard for a lot of people. We understand if you can't support the show directly, but if you can, we really do appreciate it. It helps us keep going. It keeps the lights on. Fanboy.threadless.com is where you can find our t-shirts. If you need some shirts for the winter, you can get them on sweatshirts. You can get them on long sleeve tees. You get our designs and all kinds of shirts. They're all over at fanboy.threadless.com, including the Stay Home and Read Comics shirts, which is still relevant to the world. I wore mine the other day on a work call. It is still the watchword of the day. Stay home and read your comics. You can get that at fanboy.threadless.com. And then fanboy.com slash support. That's where you can help us out directly via PayPal. If you just want to leave a tip in a tip jar, you don't want to become a patron, you don't want to buy a t-shirt, those are all, those, you don't have to do any of that stuff. But if you feel like you just want to throw some coins in the tip jar at the end of the year, fanboy.com slash support, fanboy.com slash Amazon. You can find our books, blood books and a general link for shopping. We thank everyone who helps the show going. It is not an inconsiderable amount of money to run the show, and uh, we do appreciate it. My appearance fees alone. He, Ryan bankrupts us. That's why he's only on select times. His rider is expensive. I said only green M&Ms. So let's skip the email since we went long. Actually, let's do one email. Let's just do yeah. one email quick one. Jonathan says, I've been thinking for literally months about my guilt over reading books through my library's digital reader. I used to have a large pull list, and before that, the Wednesday browse was a highlight of my week. However, life got in the way, and I still have a stack of paper comics from my last trip to the LCS in February that I have not read. It's not about the cost, but since I have so little time to read books, I find myself drawn to reading well-regarded collections which are freely available through my library app. Should I feel guilty about not buying comics? I keep a pull list of comics for my kids, which I pick up every few months, and I buy the occasional trade of favorites. No. No, don't feel guilty. No. No. Your library pays for those comics. It's yeah, those, like are, the, those no. are licensed by the library and they're paid for. Yeah. It's I mean, like... yeah. You're not, you're not stealing anything. The library is a wonderful service. It's, it, it's one of, I mean, the library is one of those things where we joke about, like, government services and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those ideas where if you proposed it today, people would be against it. But, like, they're oh, awesome. Yeah. What a... You want to give people free books? You want me, my taxes, to pay for somebody else to read a book? Yeah, I do. I do. Because it's a valuable service. When I was a kid, you know, being significantly older than you, I had a library around the corner from my apartment in Manhattan, and that's where I did all my homework. That's where, like, if I had a research paper, I didn't have the internet. I had to go to the library and go to the card catalog and find books. You know, prior to 20, 25 years ago, that's how people learned things, was they went to the library. When I took piano lessons, my sister and I took piano lessons, when she was having her lesson because we had the same teacher, the music store where we went for our lessons was only a few blocks from not the main library in our town, but one of the next town over. And I would just go, yeah, go browse the stacks. Usually, I mostly was just spending time looking up stuff about Bigfoot and aliens. But, mm-hmm. you know, those books were there every time I needed them. Hey, Mom, I'm going to the library. Yeah, that's how I talked as a kid. Kids don't say that now, really. I don't think anyone outside Brooklyn ever did. No. Ah! 
So yeah, no, don't feel bad about it. I think everyone should read comics the way that fits their life. If that means not going to the store every week or not even getting digital books every week or just reading collections, you should do whatever you want. That's why comics are available in different formats. That's why comics are available in different venues. They're there to be read. If they didn't want you to read them that way, they wouldn't license them to libraries. You know, they collect books for a reason. There's lots of people who prefer reading collections. I prefer reading collections. Yeah, I go through phases where, like, there are some times where I only want collections or I have, like, a big meaty work to dig into, and there are other times where I want the frivolity of a quick, you know, 10-minute single issue, and I go back and forth, and I think that's fine, and, you know, uh, you still, I mean, you still have a pull list. You still go buy your books every couple of months. Like, you're you're still supporting a local business. I think it's okay to taper off and, and try things out other ways, and there's nothing saying you can't go back to getting more books in person again when the world settles down a little bit, but I definitely don't feel guilty. Yeah, and that's kind of the great thing about the world, right, is that in terms of this thing, is that there's options, you know. 25 years ago, you didn't have options. You went to the comic store and, and got your books. But now you can get them in the library, you can get them on your iPad. You can get comics in all different ways, and that's good. Because not everyone's life is the same. Not everyone has the same amount of free time. Not everyone wants to read things the same way. So don't feel bad about utilizing a legally approved method of reading books. Agreed. So there you go. Contact.fanboy.com is how you can write in and uh, get your question on the show. We think everyone does that. Let's go through the scheduling for the year. Out now is our Media Splode episode. It came out right before this one. It came out actually on Thanksgiving Day, so you may have missed it. It's our final Media Splode of the year because next month we'll have the All Media Year End Roundup. But this Media Splode is a little different. We didn't talk about our streaming shows. We just did all sort of high-level discussion topics. We talked about streaming movies and whether or not they were any good. We talked about which streaming service was our preferred ones. We did a little round-robin game for that. We all picked our top three. We, we talked about top five Christmas films, and then we did a bunch of emails that were a lot of fun. And we went long, and the show wouldn't end because Josh and Ron wouldn't shut up. And it was a lot of fun, and it was funny at the end as I got more and more annoyed at them for not ending the show. Check it out. It's right behind the show in the feed. Media Splode number nine. Rest of the year, Josh has a Talksplode scheduled with a really exciting guest. But they're not recording it until December. So his November talks load will come out some point in December. I'm not sure when. That's up to Josh. The next episode of Pick of the Week is December 6th. And then the one after that, 761, it comes out December 13th. And that's the final Pick of the Week show of the year. In between that, you're going to have your book explode on December 10th. And the book explode topic is Dragon Hoops from Gene Luen Yang, our book of the year. So that's our topic for the final book explode of the year on December 10th. On December 12th, we'll have our final hangout of the year which will be the final one open to everyone. Usually it's just open to patrons. We open it up this year because of the pandemic. But if you are enjoying those hangouts, you're not a patron, you may want to look to become one next year as they go back to being patron only. But that'll be 12-12. Ryan, hopefully will be there. Yeah. What I sound like now is what I sound like a lot of times in the morning after those hangouts. And Yeah. And then the all-media show, which is the all-media year-end roundup, which we've been doing every year since we started the show 15 years ago, will come out December 20th. And then we'll take a break uh, for shows during the holidays. And we'll be back... Uh, with our first Pick of the Week episode of the new year, January 10th. I love the year-end media show. But I don't know if I've ever told you guys that. It is literally an episode of the show that I look forward to and get really excited when I see it in my download queue. And, you know, I often, back when I was traveling over the holidays, you know, that was like, oh, yes, this is going to be my airport listen. Well, thank you for that. We do enjoy doing them. And also, it's our most popular show of the year. Really? It's always the highest downloaded episode we put out of the wow. entire year. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. Although this year, we haven't even talked about it. We, I think we're avoiding the conversation because normally it's pretty easy to program, but we're not actually sure what's going to happen on this show. We don't want to break the format, but also like half the format's no longer valid. Uh, we'll see. We have to have that meeting soon. Head over to fanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts. You can find out what the Pick of the Week is before the show comes up by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy or following at ifanboy on Twitter. At ifanboycomics on Instagram also has the best of the week in panels feature. 
And individually, we are C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram, J.A. Flanagan on Instagram. That's the only two places you can find Josh and I anymore. And Ryan, you are helped on Twitter and Ryan helped on Instagram. Yep. Hanging in there on Twitter. Yeah, it's not so. I mean, you know, science Twitter is uh, kind of its own little mini ecosystem, and uh, the drama on science Twitter has been fierce lately. So there's a oh, lot of I'm interesting. I'm sure it's uh, full of recriminations, much like the Doctor Doom Richard scenario. I mean, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people out there getting up to some some shady stuff, man. Well, not sure. quite Doctor Doom level, but we gotta get clean that clean house. Also, as we've been talking about this year, youtubecom iFanboy. This was unlocked by the patrons, not the YouTube, but the fact that we're uploading all of our old shows. So if you want to see our old video shows from 2007, 8, 9, and 10, you can go find them at youtubecom iFanboy. And we're uploading three a week. This week's shows, as I quickly open the page because the script was updated. This week's show, what day is today? Okay, we had a new comics preview <laughs> mini episode, which is <laughs> obviously not too exciting. <laughs> then we had a show in which we did an email episode answering emails. We did it from the set of Texilla, which was another show on the network we were on at the same time. And then finally, we did a show spotlighting Understanding Comics with Scott McCloud. Those shows all came out this week. As you listen to this podcast, the first mini for next week is my first episode of It Came From the Storage Unit, which is my most proud moment doing the minis. That'll be next week. So that's going on all the ways you can uh, find our content at the end of the year. If you, need to, if you need to find it, that's where it is. If you dig the show, write a review or leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, reviews still are one of the main ways that the algorithm figures out which shows to actually put up top and show to people. So for any show you listen to, a rating or review goes a long way to help make that show discoverable. You mean like Science Sort Of, your show, which we should have mentioned in the other part, but we didn't do? I do a show called Science Sort Of. It's I'm behind on an episode because I'm trying to prepare for my defense, but you know. It's a good show. I have fun with it. Science, tists talking about science and drinking beer. What's your latest episode about? The most recent episode? That's a good question. Oh, mammoths. We did a, a mammoth-sized episode. There were hundreds of mammoth skeletons found under the site of a new airport outside Mexico City, which is kind of cool. And there was some genetic analysis of mastodons showing their migratory patterns in and out of North America. So kind of cool. Right. We had two mammoth experts on who are buddies of mine, or proboscidean experts, I guess I should say, because we're just mastodons as well. Uh, yeah, good episode. Help spread the iFanboy love. If you want to also help spread the science sort of love, you can do that too. Please let that be the only thing you spread this holiday season. Uh, yes. <laughs> stay safe out there. Wash your hands. I'm Ryan. I'm Connor. See you next week. Yeah.